Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sneaky Sports Podcast, Season 3, Episode number 56. Uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday night, July 28th, um, and that is because we have a very special guest today, um, Joel Moran. Uh, obviously, you know, he's a co-host of the Pickside Podcast as well, as he has his own YouTube channel, um, a TikTok, um, also a Pickside, you know, TikTok. There's a bunch of things that he does. I saw him have an XZO's podcast that he was on, you know, maybe Seton Hall based. I'm not really sure, but, you know, clearly you're a busy man, so we appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Yeah, bro, it's awesome. I mean, you're talking about me. You guys are everywhere. I mean, you guys got an Instagram. You guys are on TikTok. I just have to say, I have to know this right now. Who's the person that runs the Instagram account? Is it all three of you guys? I did. It's just Ben. Okay. And you you all, like, take turns doing TikTok as well, right? Yeah, you know, pretty much. Because Nick over here, funny enough, it's a funny story about Nick. When we started this TikTok page in January, right? We were like, all right, we're going to do it, right? You know, why not? It's more exposure for us. And Nick was like, I mean, and there's nothing wrong with it. Of course, we, you know, we, we, we're fine with it. But he was like so against the idea of downloading TikTok, the app. He's like, I'm not downloading this piece of garbage. <laughs> so it's pretty much just me and Frank on TikTok. And then, um, yeah. And then I, I do a lot of the, I help, I help with a lot of the lists though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the graphics. That's usually my contribution. The graphics on Instagram are phenomenal, bro. Like Appreciate for it, you bro. to pump out that much content, not only on Instagram, but on TikTok, then you guys are doing YouTube as well. I mean, you guys are doing a great job. Yeah, appreciate it. All right. So as you all know, I mean, you guys are what almost at 6,000 subscribers on YouTube, Pickside Podcast. Um, I mean, personally, I'm a big fan of the, of the Pickside Podcast. I actually listen to it. Like, I mean, honestly, like, and I don't even mean to sound like a fanboy because I, I feel like I am, but you, I mean, this might be my favorite podcaster that so. You know, I love what you guys are doing, of course. So it's good to hear that. In today's episode, of course, we'll be talking about the Pistons and if they will regret, you know, trading, you know, or will they regret uh, declining the Thunder's trade proposal? Um, we'll talk about DeMar DeRozan, his comments. Are they something or nothing? The Grizzlies and Pelicans, um, their trade, as well as Aaron Rodgers' holdout is finally over. Zach Wilson and the Jets have yet to agree on a deal. Wilson is not at training camp. Xavier Howard has officially requested a trade. And lastly, we got some interesting, sneaky little news um, in the sports world. So without further ado, let's dive on in. And we begin today's episode with the Pistons. So if you guys didn't know and you didn't hear, it was been, it's been reported that the Thunder had offered the Pistons a package of Shea Gilgis Alexander and the sixth overall pick in the 2021 draft. Um, and the Thunder would receive the first overall pick from Detroit. So the Detroit Pistons actually declined that package. And a lot of people on Twitter and pretty much all over social media seem to think that that was a mistake and that they should have, you know, obviously, you know, did the trade to get Jay Gildas and the sixth overall pick. Um, me personally, I think that there's no problem with Detroit declining this. You have Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart, two rookies who were really promising last season. And you want to be on that timeline of, those two 20, 21 year old players. And I know Shea's really young. He's like 23, 24, right? But having the opportunity to bring in someone who's on a rookie contract for four seasons. And remember, Shea's up for an extension this off season. He could get extended. And his, he's a restricted free agent in 2022. So I don't know about the whole thing of bringing in Shea and then having already to pay him a max contract when your timeline is you're still in the middle of a rebuild. And I think there's still a long way to go. Yeah, you're, you're, you're completely in the middle of it. And you also have Killian Hayes, who was hurt last year for a long period of time as well. And then to me, I, I would just decline it solely on the purpose of Cade Cunningham and his potential. He's got the perfect frame at like a 6'8 size. He's almost like Luca-esque, can shot create, um, can play make. And he's got that perfect frame. Like we talk about all the time, you know, this is the idea of a superstar because he's kind of like a wing, but he's like a point guard as well. And I think that honestly, like you said, the time frame. And I think Cade's potential, honestly, with his frame and his ability, I think, you know, I would decline it as well, especially the Pistons too. You know, they've, they've been in a bad state for the last two or three years. You know, the Blake Griffin trade kind of all going down south. Um, you know, the Dwayne Casey hire hasn't really looked great. Um, so I, I think Cade Cunningham having the first overall pick and keeping it is the smart thing to do here. And I'm sure they would have been ripped apart by their franchise and their fans if they ended up making that trade with the Thunder. Yeah, I completely agree that they get ripped apart for making it. And I personally wouldn't pull the trigger on that trade either. But 
I think it's definitely worth consideration. I mean, so you're, you're basically giving up Cade Cunningham and in return, you're getting somebody who's already a proven almost all-star level player and shy. And then you're getting a guy at the sixth overall pick, such as maybe Kuminga, who I know Cass, you love him um, or Scotty Barnes or somebody around that stage. So you're now you're asking yourself like, how good can Kuminga be? Would that make the trade worth it? And I don't know. I think it's closer than a lot of people are giving it credit for. I still personally wouldn't pull the trigger. Um, Cause I think Kate Cunningham is going to be really special, but you know, at the end of the day, it's not a guarantee. Shai Gilgis Alexander has already proven himself to be a very, very good player in this league. So from the Pistons declining the trade, it, it brought up a debate of whether Shea is now underrated or overrated. I kind of fall in the middle. I think he's perfectly rated right now, as crazy as that sounds and as cliche as it may sound. But honestly, why would Detroit accept this trade? I, I think Shea, he's a good player, but what's his ceiling? Is, is his ceiling, is he, can he be better than Donovan Mitchell? Can he, can he can he be better than Devin Booker? Those are legit questions. And if he can't be better than those guys, that means he can't be a top 15 player in the NBA. When I watch Cade, I think he has the potential to be an MVP, a top five player in the NBA. Shea took three years to average 20 plus points per game and have six rebounds with five assists. I think kid can do that in his rookie year. And that's why I just don't know why people were trying to bash Detroit for not accepting this trade. Maybe you consider it a little bit, but you got to consider that Shea is also about to get paid five years, $160 million extension. Does Detroit really want to do that? They just gave Blake Griffin a huge contract and had to buy him out and it messed up their cap this off season. And they could have gotten some impact players this year for Cade. Now they got to wait until next year. I think Cade is a franchise changing player and I would have not traded him for Shea in the sixth overall pick. Well, I think Shea's underrated still. I mean, talk about efficiency. Didn't he shoot like 53% from the field last season, 40 plus percent from three. 85% from the free throw line. Shea's, I feel like that slander. I mean, I'm not into the whole Shea slander of him, you know, taking three seasons to average 20. He played along Chris Paul. Remember with the Clippers, they were a playoff team and, you know, he really got limited action. I guess he was a starting point guard, but what do you get 25, 30 minutes a game? Not like the, the 35, 37 minutes a game, number one option on leash go. So Shea's a special talent, but I think what back going back to the whole contract, that's why I'm not accepting the deal. When you have Kate Cunningham, he's already made comments about how I love Detroit, how, you know, this city, the, the, the people of Detroit, you know, embody my work ethic. That's a, a guy I would not want to pass up on. And when you have him now with Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bey, that those three guys are like 21, 20, they're like the perfect timeline for three years in their deal left for the rookie contracts. That's the guy I would rather have over Shea, to be honest. But it's Shea and a guy like Kuminga. So I, it yeah, all depends. I mean, Once again, I wouldn't accept the trade, but I think it's a lot closer than people really. I don't think. like Kuminga though, to be honest with you. He's, well, I'm, I'm not the biggest ball. fan either, but some people are, I think his potential is through the roof. Um, if the right team can unlock him really. But I mean, at the end of the day, you're getting two players for one and it's just solely dependent on how good you think Cade Cunningham can be. Can he be an MVP level player or is he just going to be like a, you know, like a, well, like a solid, solid player his whole career? I just think you look at Detroit and that six overall pick is kind of no man's land in this draft because the top five players in this draft are Suggs, Mobley, Green, Cade, and Kaminga slash Barnes, whoever, whoever you want to put in front. With that six overall pick, you're getting the scraps of that top five. So you'll end up with maybe a Kaminga or a Barnes. Do I think Scotty Barnes fits on Detroit? Would I rather have Scotty Barnes and Shea than Cade? I would not. I think Sadiq Bay already does a lot of things that um, Barnes or Kaminga can offer. Sadiq Bay is already one of the best three-point shooters in the league, one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. He's one of the best two-way young players in the NBA. Then you're adding Killian Hayes, who I think is going to be, still be good in his second year with Cade. I feel like that's a much better core than just having – Shea and getting that six overall pick. Yeah, that's an excellent point that the uh, fit with Shea and I think especially Scotty Barnes would not necessarily work. I like what you said, Joel, though, earlier about Cade Cunningham and his potential. Like you said, if he's like that Don, like Shea is like that in that Donovan Mitchell, Paul George, you know, Devin Booker range, and he hasn't really gotten it to prove it on the playoff stage yet as a superstar. So we don't even know if he can, you know, 
put himself in that top 15 category yet. He has, but he hasn't. But Mitch, at least Mitchell and Booker have proven it on in the playoffs yet. They haven't made the playoffs to the Thunder yet. He he's, hasn't proven. He's a perimeter. He can create a perimeter shot. His game translates towards the playoffs. Like I would only question that with a guy like you know a guy who couldn't shoot the ball. He could put on the floor. You know he's super efficient. I don't think that's a problem, and I don't think it's fair to like just guess that he would disappear in the playoffs. I'm not saying we that saw, he wouldn't necessarily. We saw him in OKC. He averaged 17 points per game in that Houston series, and. Shea had some good moments and he had some bad moments. And you Come can on, say Jerome. you can say it was his second playoff series and his but first he, one but he, as one of the main options. But, but Donovan Mitchell in his first year in the playoffs as a rookie got past OKC, got past Russ, Paul George, and Carmelo. Devin Booker's first year in the playoffs went to the finals. Shea did not do that. And Shea was the second option on that team still in my eyes, right? Behind Chris Paul, I'd say still. No, so, con- context is important, guys. Context is important. Let's not talk about the Suns' playoff run right now, but con- context is super important. The team, the Rockets were a much better team than OKC was. We're not going to blame Shea. Westbrook was hurt. Yeah, but, I mean, you, you still don't think a banged-up Westbrook and James Harden is – I think that team's still better than Shea and CP3, in my opinion, at least. I mean, I don't – I think it's better, but that series went to seven. If Harden doesn't get that block at the end of game seven, Houston might lose. So I don't think Houston was way better. OKC proved themselves to be a tough matchup. If Shea had averaged 24 and really exploded onto the scene in that series, there's no question that they would have beat the Rockets. No question. Especially the way Dort was playing defense on Harden. He kind of had him neutralized. Yeah. Well, I mean, once again, Shea... I don't – the whole Donovan Mitchell comparison, Donovan Mitchell did something so special as a rookie. You know, beating Carmelo, beating Paul George, beating Russell Westbrook as a rookie with Utah. I don't think we should, you know, put that same pressure and expect everyone else to perform like Donovan. That's one of the – probably a one-on-one example. And I, I don't see anyone else, you know, really replicating that, you know, ever what Donovan Mitchell did. Shea is still – I mean, like, like you said – to be that efficient as a number one option on a team that won 20, what, 20 games this past season, that holds a lot of value to me. I mean, you usually see efficiency numbers dip with guys on bad teams like that. I'm not here for the Shea. No, no. And look, going back to our original point, I declined the trade. But the Shea slander, I'm not here for it. I, I love Shea, personally. All right, that's, I mean, that's fair, but let's move on now. We're going to talk about an established player in our league, probably one of the best mid-range games in the NBA. DeMar DeRozan comments. Uh, last week, he appeared on the Club Shea Shea, hosted by Shannon Sharp. When DeRozan was asked what he'll be looking for in free agency, he said at this point in his career, he's really going to weigh his options, and he's not really looking for a bag, and you know, he's really trying to win a championship at this point. Um, DeRozan also made some interesting comments about him possibly joining the Lakers because he's from originally Compton, California, I believe. So, guys, what do you think of this? Do you think that – DeRozan maybe keeps the Lakers in that contending status next year. Like I said, we talked about this on Monday's pod. I don't think, you know, even who they add at point guard really matters. It's all about Anthony Davis's health to me. So to me, it's not much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, I think he went to USC as well. So he's been in that area his whole life. Um, well, other than his time in the NBA, but yeah, would he fit next to LeBron and Anthony Davis? Not really, but you know, you you keep saying it, it really just depends on Anthony Davis's health. And at the end of the day, Assuming the Nets are healthy, like no move the Lakers make will put them over the Nets in my eyes. Chris Paul doesn't put them over the Nets. DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, none of these moves put them over the Nets. And if you're going to assume the Lakers are going to be healthy, you also have to assume the Nets are going to be healthy in that situation. It's tough for me. I think DeMar DeRozan is a hell of a player. He's one of those players that has be- he's, he's really good, but nobody wants him on their team. That's what he's become. But I think DeRozan and the fit with the Lakers is not as bad as people think it is because he's not a liability in terms of like a Westbrook, right? Westbrook, you can leave him open and you don't have to worry about him, whether it's at the three-point line or kind of in the mid-range. You don't really have to worry about it. DeRozan, you do because he's a lethal mid-range shooter, so he can still space the floor. I think DeMar DeRozan would be a good fit. I, I heard his comments in the interview. He said that, you know, he's the best player in the league. I think he's a little bit delusional for that because he's nowhere near close and never was. <laughs> but what I think is better for the Lakers is getting Buddy Heald. I think Buddy Heald is the best option for the Lakers. Getting a 46% three-point shooter on catch-and-shoot threes 
in L.A. with LeBron, with A.D., a floor spacer, and then I'd just re-sign Schroeder. So I'd have Schroeder, healed LeBron, A.D., and then you can find a center in the, in the free agency. But that's what I would do. I would get Buddy healed. I wouldn't get DeRozan. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could definitely see that. But, like, I mean, like Nick said, I don't think any move the Lakers do puts them over Brooklyn. And DeMar had interesting comments about how, you know, the Nets made it work with their big three out. But, I mean, Kevin Durant is probably one of the most, I mean, just selfless superstars out there. He could play off the ball with Golden State. I mean, play with Steph Curry, Russell Westbrook, now James Harden, Kyrie Irving. And those guys are so talented. And I guess, you know, I guess the same could be argument can be made about, you know, DeMar DeRozan, AD, LeBron. But I don't think it's fair to compare your, your three with those three. Those three are probably the, the best ISO scores in, in basketball all on the same team. And, you know, obviously Kevin Durant kind of, you know, makes it all work with his off-ball play. The spacing on that team would be horrendous too. And anytime a non-shooter teams up with LeBron, I feel like there's always some sort of issues. But I agree um, that the Lakers should bring back Schroeder. I think his, you know, playoff struggles were kind of overblown. It was one bad series, but I thought last year when they signed him, it was a tremendous move and he had some moments in the regular season. And like, he, they're not going to get, they're not really going to get anything better unless they get Chris Paul. So I think bringing back Schroeder would be the safest move. Yeah, not only that, but, but Schroeder was coming off of COVID. So he, he, that's true. He wasn't coming off of playing basketball he had missed a lot of time then came back right into it and I think people really undermine that a lot and that's kind of why I think a lot of players don't want to team up with LeBron because when you team up with LeBron I mean the amount of people that said LeBron had no help against Phoenix once AD went down is revisionist history because I remember in the offseason Bleacher Report all these credited sites said Lakers won the offseason bringing in two six-man-of-the-year candidates in Schroeder and Montrezl Harrell. Montrezl Harrell was playing in that series, bringing in Marcus Gasol, who has proven to have that championship pedigree. They had a marvelous offseason, but then once LeBron loses, yeah, yo, these guys suck. LeBron has no help. So I think players are hesitant to team up with LeBron because if DeRozan goes to the Lakers and he doesn't hit a three-point shot, which he's never done anyway, people are going to bash him for that too and say – cruel things about him so I don't think DeRozan would like that anyway yeah I mean we talked about this before we talked about this before I like what you said about LeBron's teammates it feels like you're had you're in this constant like microscope of everyone you know at, at the end of the day if you hit a couple of shots in the finals you're viewed as the you know the greatest thing since sliced bread but you have pressure on you all the time and if DeRozan can't play effectively and doesn't play well in the playoffs he's going to be treated you know poorly like Dennis Schroeder was and also Dennis Schroeder what kind of player are you going to get in that $25 million to $30 range that is just as good or better as a scorer than Dennis Schroeder? I don't think you can. And for that price, I think, like you guys said, I think bringing him back and then Joel, like you said, adding someone that could space the floor, like Buddy Heald, because, you know, the Kings would be looking to move on from him anyways because they have Halliburton now who they want to play more at the two anyways. So that would make more sense. But, you know, DeRozan at the end of the day, you know, I could see it because he wants to win a ring. And I think the Lakers are all about publicity and selling tickets. And LeBron wants to bring in, a, bring in a big name so they can call it, you know, a new big three. So I could see DeRozan going there because of that. But I think at the end of the day, it's all about adding spacing. And, you know, Dennis Schroeder, you know, sure, he struggled in the playoffs, but he had some good moments. And someone in that price range, you're not going to get a player that's better than him. There's no way. Yeah, but look, look at his words, though, DeMar DeRozan. He basically you know, hinted at him willing to take a pay cut. So you wouldn't have to pay 25 to $30 million for him. And Shannon Sharp actually even pressed him about the comments saying, you know, are you just saying that, you know, or you actually like mean it, you willing to take a real pay cut. And he said, yes. So I believe, you know, there's a, and there's a slim chance of this, of course, could he take the mid-level exception? I mean, I don't, it's, it's $10 million, you know, nowadays. Honestly, if he's willing to take know, a, maybe. a championship, then why not just go to Brooklyn? But I mean, but that situation, you're like the fourth, fifth, what are you, the fifth option now with Blake Griffin? I mean, if all that's he wants not, uh, I mean, and with LA, he's from there. He's from Compton. Yeah. Oh, he has that, those LA he ties. Has the for sure. Yeah. And he's always been linked to LA when he was a free agent in the offseason when Toronto re-signed him. He wanted to go to LA and the Lakers, Lakers fans wanted him because at that time they were really bad and DeMar DeRozan was supposed to be this savior for their franchise. So he's always wanted to go back to LA. Uh, I think he would take a pay cut. I wouldn't do it because that's a lot of money leaving on the table. That's like 15 to 20 million. But also 
what's the market for DeRozan going to be like? Are we really sure teams are going to give DeRozan a bag? Because I think he doesn't fit many teams' timelines. And the teams that do fit his timeline that want to win now, like the Knicks, I hope to God they don't sign him. So it's really um, weird. DeRozan is a weird player in terms of I don't know what team's going to offer him a boatload of money. Well, call me crazy here, but how about another superstar that was linked to L.A. for so long that finally went there? Kawhi Leonard went to the Clippers. Why, like, why can't he sign with – why can't DeMar DeRozan sign with the Clippers? And I honestly think that the Clippers right now might have a better roster than the Lakers. I mean, if, if Kawhi doesn't get hurt, I think it's pretty fair to say that they're going to the finals and maybe they're they winning the finals. finals. Who knows? I think they have a better roster, and I think that would – if all DeMar DeRozan cares about is winning, I think he would have a better shot with the Clippers personally. Yeah. I don't know. But let's move on to uh, let's talk about a trade that actually happened this week. The first trade of the NBA draft season was made. The Pelicans received picks number 17 and 51 and Jonas Valanciunas from the Grizzlies in return for Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe, picks 10 and 40, and then a protected 2022 pick from the Lakers. Uh, the big thing here is that the, uh, the Grizzlies, well, the Pelicans get rid of Bledsoe's contract. That's the big thing. And then the, they get back Valanciunas, who's a slight upgrade over Steven Adams. I still don't necessarily like this trade because I think that Valanciunas doesn't fit the Pelicans. With Zion, you need him to be the center there. I'd almost consider running him in a point center kind of role because you saw his numbers when Steven Adams wasn't on the floor. It was just ridiculous. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Uh, six, seven point center, more so six, six. If Zion was a great defender, I would totally agree. But he's not a good defender. He's a really bad defender right now at this point in his career. And, and that's why I think you need a big man. You need a presence. And Jonas Valanciunas, he offers a little bit more spacing than Steven Adams, well, way more in terms of a 10 to 15 footer. He's not a great three-point shooter. He barely attempts any. I think the perfect center for the Pelicans would be Miles Turner. But obviously, they're not going to go get him. Jonas is a good, good center. He was the Grizzlies' second best player last year, in my opinion. He averages 17 and 12. Per 36 minutes, it's like 21 points and 16 rebounds. He's very impactful. In terms of who won the trade, I'm not sure yet because I know everybody wants to jump the gun and say the Pelicans fleece the Grizzlies. We have to see what this 10th overall pick becomes because the Grizzlies moved up because they understand we're not a destination. We're not a free agent destination. We have to get superstar talent in the draft. The only superstar talents on their team are John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. And Jaron Jackson Jr. is always hurt. When I look at the Grizzlies roster right now, I think they need a two guard because Kyle Anderson may be on the move pretty soon. You move Dylan Brooks to the three. I think they need a two guard that can handle the ball and relieve some pressure off of John Morant. Five guys stick out to me at number 10. Moses Moody, Keon Johnson, Josh Giddy, Davion Mitchell, and James Bucknight. I think James Bucknight is going to be gone before 10. Davion Mitchell probably as well. And even if he's there, I don't know if Memphis moved up to draft a 23-year-old. I think that would be pretty insane. So the three to me are Moses Moody, Keon Johnson, and Josh Giddy. And I'm stuck between Moody and Giddy, but I'm leaning towards Giddy. I think the pick is going to be Giddy, and I think he would be great for Memphis. His struggle is shooting. He struggles with three-point shooting, but I think in the NBA – He'll adjust, he'll figure it out, and he has a nice jump shot, so I think he will become a good three-point shooter, at least manageable. I don't know. To be honest, I'm just confused what direction the Pelicans are going, though, because, like, you get rid of Eric Bledsoe. He was trash. I get it. But Lonzo Ball isn't coming back. Like, what? who's going to be your point guard now? And you still have a guy who can't really shoot the three. I get it. You know, he's a good mid-range shooter, but only 0.9 attempts on threes this season. That's not going to cut it. I mean – you still need a guy who could shoot the ball next to Zion. And I agree with you, Joel. He can't be center. He has to be power forward. But you need a guy who could shoot with that being said. You can't have a Jonas Valanciunas, a Steven Adams next to Zion. It's not going to work. The Pelicans, I was really actually gonna, excited for the Pelicans. I thought they would finally turn it around. But it just feels like they're going just sideways. And then they drop down seven spots. I mean, would it, for a team that has no cap issues, for a team that – He's not going to sign, you know, Kawhi Leonard in free agency. They don't need to save cap space to drop down seven spots. I don't like this move for the Pelicans at all, honestly. Yeah, like you said, it feels like the Pelicans are just going in circles at this point. Uh, 
But like you said, drop down seven spots. I like what Joel said, that the Grizzlies, you know, really could get an impactful player. I love James Booknight, for example, someone who could create his own shot and, you know, be that secondary playmaker and score next to John Morant. And like you said, Dylan Brooks moving down to the three is a really good defender, can uh, space the floor as well. I think, that, you know, honestly, if they can hit on this 10th pick, that they'll win this trade. You know, for now, Steven Adams, how much worse is he than Joel uh, Valanciunas for them? Probably not much worse. Eric Bledsoe coming off the bench now and, you know, less of a role. But it's all about the 10th pick and ways down. But I think the Pelicans, at the end of the day, they just continuously go in circles and they won't get it right. They can't even keep their superstars happy. Brandon Ingram talked about some of the problems that he had there, Zion's family. And, you know, the camp came out and said that he doesn't really like what's going on there. So they're in a disaster situation. Lonzo Ball, I mean, I know he's a restricted free agent, but I don't even know if they're going to bring him back. So, you know, they could have gotten someone like Josh Giddy, Book Knight, or Moses Moody at the 10th pick. And now they move down to upgrade by how much, honestly. And in this case, they didn't even add a spacer to their team, which I think they need if you're going to run Zion at the four. So I don't like the I don't like this for the Pelicans, to be honest with you. I mean, yeah, for me, I, when I look – oh, you want to go, Nick? No, you can go ahead. When I look at Memphis, I think Steven Adams, he gives them more defense. He doesn't – I mean, Memphis was one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league. But I don't think Adams is starting. And I think they said that Bledsoe was not going to be a part of the team because they have uh, Tyus Jones and Melton. I would go with a small ball lineup. I would go with John Morant, let's say Josh Giddy, Moses Moody, Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, and Jaron Jackson at the five. If Jaron Jackson at the five can stay out of foul trouble, he's going to be really good. I actually don't think the Pelicans messed up in this trade, though, because if they would have kept Adams and Bledsoe on their team, they would have had no cap space to match an offer sheet for Lonzo. They would have had no cap space to go after Kyle Lowry, which has been reported that they are going to do now. They are going to aggressively pursue Kyle Lowry. I think that's the price they had to pay because Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe, they had horrible contracts, and they were the two biggest reasons, in my opinion, last year, the Pelicans were not good. They yeah, were, they were all awful. Yeah, but Willie Green is coming into the Pelicans, and I think Willie Green is going to be a tremendous coach. And pick 17 isn't a bad spot to be in. At pick 10, you are drafting more so off of potential. There, there's a lot of players that have potential, but they are they're still raw. At pick 17, I think Corey Kispert can be there. He would offer a lot of spacing. Yep, I think Trey Murphy the third is probably going to be there. He's a 6'10 small forward, shoots 40% from the three, shot 50, 40, 90 in college. I think he'll be there. Chris Duarte is another guy who can who you can look for who's a really good player, who's old, who's ready to play in the NBA right now. So there are a lot of guys that pick 17 that can impact the Pelicans right now. The Pelicans already have enough potential guys. They need guys who can play now and actually impact winning. Yeah, absolutely. And I think 100%. I think I'm pretty confident Lonzo Ball is coming back to the Pelicans now. I mean, they cleared up a ton of cap. And as you said, the two the two main reasons they sucked last year were Bloodstone and Steven Adams. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think Lonzo Ball coming back would actually be a huge deal for them too. He's super underrated now. He's turned into a really good three-point shooter. He's a good defender. You know, he can't really create his own shot too well, but they don't need that when they have Zion and Brandon Ingram. They just need role players around them that fit. I don't necessarily think Valanciunas fits, but I think it's just addition by subtraction in this situation. Yeah, but Kyle Lowry is, is not signing with the Pelicans. I'm going to tell you that right now. I mean, He's going to a contender for sure. I don't see that, but Lonzo Ball, I saw a thing, and maybe you know this will change after the Pelicans you know, cleared some cap, but I saw a report that they weren't willing to match an offer of $20 million for Lonzo Ball. He will easily get offered at this frequency period. And if they're not willing to match an offer, yeah, you say goodbye to Lonzo, you say goodbye to everyone on your team, and I get it. Eric Bledsoe and, you know, bad contracts. And Eric Bledsoe won't play in Memphis, Frank. That, that just out of the, he's getting bought out. But mm-hmm. for the Pelicans, if you can't get Lonzo Ball back, this whole trade is ruined now. And especially if the Grizzlies get a guy like James Booknight at number 10, who has some scary upside. And I, I think that would be a big mistake if, you know, if they pass in the opportunity to get a guy like James Booknight in the draft. Yeah, I don't think – I'm really not sure if he'll be there, but I think Moses Moody would be a tremendous pickup for them. I'm a huge fan of Moses Moody. And um, Moses Moody, to me, is a guy who has zero bust potential. I don't think he's there, – there's no way he's not good. He's at least going to be Gary Harris in the NBA. Like, that's his absolute floor. I think his ceiling is like a Chris Middleton type of guy. I think he can, he can be that good. I think that's how good Moses Moody is right now. But – 
I don't know, man. I, I just think this was a good move for the Pelicans as well. I think people are giving us some slack, but I think this was good for them. Even if they don't bring back Alonzo, maybe Kyle Lowry does sign. You know, do I think it's going to happen? I wouldn't bet on it. But if the Pelicans offer him $30 million over the course of two, three seasons, I think there's no way he declines that. They believe he can have a similar impact to their team that Chris Paul had to Phoenix. If they believe that, they are willing to go all in. And Kyle Lowry at this point, he's a champion. Does he really need to win a ring again? He's not hungry for that like DeMar DeRozan is, like a James Harden is when he went to Brooklyn. Kyle Lowry is fine. He just wants the bag. So if the Pelicans offer him a boatload of money, I don't think he turns that down. Yeah, it's a fair point, but Toronto's not offering him a bag, I guess. I guess Toronto's not interested in bringing him back. But, I mean, for me, I'll give it to you. If they bring back Lonzo Ball, I'll admit the Pelicans did a solid job, but they'll, they did a, a decent job. And I, I wouldn't even, you know, give them a win for this trade. But they, I think they need to bring back Lonzo. But um, we're going to transition here to some NFL talk, of course. Aaron Rodgers finally broke out of his, you know, holdout and um, has reported to training camp. So basically after months of ESPN going on for, you know, what, what was four or five months of them talking about his future and, you know, pretty much making all these assumptions about what he was going to do. I just want to say my only takeaway from this is these ESPN producers who consistently made these topics of, especially get up and look, I love Mike Greenberg on get up. But I'm sorry, some of the topics they had, and I know it's not Mike Greenberg's fault, because I actually, I think he's a good host, but whoever was the producer there making those topics every day when I turn on Get Up, Aaron Rodgers, every single day for the last five months, I kid you not. And now it's like nothing happened. And this is what I was saying the whole entire time. Why were we freaking out and talking about Aaron Rodgers? It's a reason why on this podcast, we never talked about A-Rod until just this past week for the first time since like April. There was no need to talk about him all this time, you know, eventually he was probably going to show up odds are you're not going to waste one of the last years of your you know career your prime especially you know to make a point and I think he's already made a point you know he's made a point that you know this Packers you know you see Devontae Adams Devontae Adams is out of there Sedarius Smith out of there next season the Aaron Rodgers was almost you know kind of push or not push but he's kind of you know set the stand uh, set the tone that if they're not treating him well Devontae Adams is like why am I going to be here? Because I'm just going to leave. And, you know, he, they're not treating him well with contract either. Zedaria Smith, they didn't give him a fully guaranteed contract. So he's like, and they pushed some of his salary to 2022. He's like, I'm out of here too. And they're all going to leave after this season. So Aaron proved the point, but at the same time, he's going to play football and he's got to, you know, play one of his last years of prime football and try to win a championship. Well, I saw the sports book. They were putting odds on like Rogers retiring. They said they were higher than ever. And um, we talked about this, like, He's going to retire coming off an MVP season. There's just no way. Uh, you know, Rodgers wanted to take the time off. It gave, like you said, media and everyone five months of talking about something for the NFL offseason at least or, you know, something to talk about. But, I mean, like I said, this is the problem too, not having a real owner and having a bunch of my, like, major, like people that own shares of the team. We saw the similar situation happen in New England with Brady, Belichick, and Kraft when Belichick wanted to start Garoppolo and they were kind of talking about it and it was buzzing. And look what Brady did. He went right to the owner and said, listen, you guys got to get rid of this guy. I gave my all for this team. I took pay cuts. I did everything. And you, you can't treat me like this. And guess what they did? They traded Garoppolo for a second round pick a week later. Rodgers wasn't in a position to do this because the Packers don't have that guy that he could go to. And, you know, he came out and said today in his press conference after training camp, he was ripping a pack, the Packers apart. He did not give, excuse my language, a shit at this point. Uh, he was going all, go out, going all out on them going off on them. He doesn't really care. This is his last dance. He's going to play one more year in Green Bay. They're going to go out of Super Bowl, and then they're going to rebuild with Jordan Love next year after they probably lose Devontae Adams too, which is going to be disastrous. Mm -hmm. First of all, thank God Aaron Rodgers is back. It would be an absolute shame if we didn't get to see him play this year because you know he's going to be good again this year, right? There's no reason to think he's going to fall off a cliff. Um, it would just be an absolute shame if we missed out on that. And second of all, this is good because it gives the Bucks a little bit of run for their money. I, I think there's no doubt the Packers are the second best team in the NFC now with Rodgers back, and there's definitely a chance they can win the Super Bowl. I mean, Aaron Rodgers plus Devontae Adams is unstoppable. So it'll be super Rams, fun to though. watch, even if it's just for one last year. And, man, that would be interesting if they won the Super Bowl. It'd almost be, like, reluctant. <laughs> so it'd almost be like they don't want the Packers to win the Super Bowl. I don't know. I think that'd be funny. Uh, the reason why uh, these shows, ESPN, Fox Sports 1, First take, get up, undisputed. They all talk about Aaron Rodgers because 
he brings in so many views for them. That's why they talk about the Cowboys, the Lakers. And ironically, whenever I talk about any of those subjects, I get no views at all because they take all of them, which is a shame for me. And that's why I don't talk about Rodgers either. If, if talking about Rodgers would bring me views every single time I talk about him, I would come out with so many different topics and just recycle the same thing. But I think it's pretty cool that Rodgers is back. He hinted at it on the story with Devontae Adams about the last dance and coming back. I think that's awesome. But I, I also, man, I got to say, I wanted to see Jordan Love play this year. I wanted to see Jordan Love start and see how good he was. I, I was very high on him coming out of college. I thought he was good enough to be a top 15 pick. I didn't think he was going to Green Bay. I wanted him to go to Oakland or Las Vegas now with the Raiders and be Derek Carr's successor. But obviously he went to Green Bay. I think this whole situation is 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 good for Rodgers and the Packers fan base. But I think Jordan Love is getting the short end of the stick because this whole situation has been made about Rodgers and the pressure is on Love. And let's be honest, if Jordan Love is anything less than a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback, he's going to get bashed and demolished in the media. But I think Rodgers being on the Packers is, is cool. I don't think they're winning the NFC North, though. I think that's uh, the Minnesota Vikings. They're going to win it this year. With Rodgers still? Yes, I believe so. I mean, I, I, think, I really like the Vikings, but... I Rod, think you like, look at the Minnesota Vikings, they've brought in nine new guys they didn't have last year on defense. Patrick Peterson, Mackenzie Alexander, Bashad Brilliant, Daniil Hunter is back, Dalvin Tomlinson, Michael Pierce, Anthony Barr's coming back from an injury. They got guys on that defense now. Their defense is going to be a top 10, top five defense. I wouldn't rule it out. And that offense, with the weapons they have, Thielen, J.J., Dalvin, Kirk Cousins gets a lot of hate when he's a really good quarterback. I don't know why people make it seem like the discrepancy between Dak and Kirk is this gap because it's really not. They are very similar in how they are. The offensive line, though, is a question mark. If they had a good offensive line, no, no doubt about it, they're winning the division. Because they don't, I still have them, but I'm not as confident. But they did bring in Darisaw, so hopefully he can do something. He can sure up that left side of the line. Yeah, I would definitely say the Vikings are going to give the Packers for a run for, a run for the money, like you said. And, you know, Mike Zimmer statistically has produced great defenses over the years. And he said, my defense last year will never be as bad as it was ever again. And like you said, they brought in a lot of impact players. Michael Pierce and Dalvin Tomlinson is probably one of the best run-stuffing duos in the National Football League now on the defensive line. And Daniel Hunter just a few years ago was a double-digit sack guy. So he's a legitimate pass rusher, probably top 10 easily. Um, but like you said, Joel, about Jordan Love, Jordan Love, the pressure on him now is going to be massive. And, you know, Packers fans will not give him much time. If he comes out there next year and, you know, struggles in the first four games, they're going to be calling for this guy's head. And one thing that I think that really hurt Jordan Love's confidence was when they brought in guys like Blake Bortles and Kurt Benker. And people were saying, are they bringing these guys because they don't think Jordan Love's even ready to start this year? And, you know, I think that's not good for the kid. And, you know, this whole drama with Aaron Rodgers, there's a lot of pressure on him now, and he's going to have a lot of pressure to succeed. And, you know, I hope Rodgers is, you know, being a good mentor towards him and helping him out because if he is, you know, he's going to be in a step, like kind of a step above everybody else with learning the plays, you know, watching film, learning how to analyze and read defenses. But that's the thing that's scary for me. And, you know, kind of the scary thing that the Packers really didn't have enough confidence to come out and say when Rodgers was doing everything that Jordan Love can be our starting quarterback for this next season. And that's what scared me. That's, that, you know, kind of shows to me that the Packers didn't believe in Jordan Love and that he wasn't ready to start this year. The Packers made a lot of stupid moves you know, this offseason with the Aaron Jones and all that, but they're still a top, like what, two, three offense in the NFL. I mean, for all you want to, you know, talk about, you know, how bad they are. They have Ellen Jenkins, you know, Dave Bakhtiari is one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL. Yeah, Devontae but Bakhtiari is going to miss, Bakhtiari is going to miss some weeks. You got to remember he tore his ACL you know, he, you know, he did, in the playoffs he, last season. He'll be, he'll be back from mid-season. And they, lo they lost all pro center Corey Lindsley, which is a big deal. And Randall Cobb is coming back though. They also traded for him just now. I think that's huge. Yeah. I think that's yeah, huge. That's a Cosby can eat million dollars. Be, I think. Yeah, I think that's huge. For me, the Packers, the, their biggest question is is really that defense. Who's going to be that it's second tough. corner outside of Darius Alexander? Who's going to be that second guy? Kevin King is coming back. He has all the physical tools to be good, but we saw him get exposed time and time out, time and time again. They drafted some kid out of Georgia. I'm Eric Stokes. on his and Eric Stokes, Eric Stokes exactly. Yep. He's a speedster. He has a lot of potential. Packers fans are really high on him, but we're not sure how good he's going to be. 
And then their run defense. Their run defense it was not good last year. They brought in a new D.C. They got better with Mike Patton. So who knows if, you know, firing Mike Patton and bringing in this new guy is going to help their defense be better. That is still a wait and see. But I think that's really been their Achilles heel. When they go up against a team like the Rams who can run the ball, the 49ers are back this year. They are fully healthy. When you go up against Tampa Bay with all their receiving weapons, do you have the personnel to stop these teams? And I would say no. I, I would ha- I have them losing to the 49ers, definitely, if they face. Kyle Shanahan has LaFleur's number. I would have them losing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers again. They could beat the Rams, even though Stafford, I think, does make them legit. But I, I would still have them beating the Rams. But I don't see them beating the Bucs, and I don't see them beating the 49ers. But they'll be in the mix, though. I mean, they'll be in the mix, right? So Yeah, for sure. And it's better than, I mean, having, it's better than having, you know, no A-Rod, a frustrated Devontae Adams, a frustrated everyone, because when he's not in the building, you know, it's like, we're not even contending for, you know, a playoff spot for that matter anymore. It's like, it just at least gives them one more season of, you know, relevancy and, and, you know, a success. But the Packers, I mean, they did it to, to uh, they did it to themselves with, you know, all those moves they did this off season, but um, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know what? One thing about the Packers defense is, too, is they're going to need an impact from a guy like Rashawn Gary to me, like almost right away. I'm talking about a second pass rusher because Zadarius Smith is solid, but he's getting up there in age. And Preston Smith really hasn't been that great for the Packers recently. So I think someone like Rashawn Gary is going to need to be impactful. He played more towards the back end of last season. It was pretty solid. And then look at looking at the, uh, the safeties, Darnell Savage. He had a pretty good run there in the playoffs. So I think guys like that, and like you said, Joel, Eric Stokes is going to have to come in and be good right away because when you're facing offenses like the Niners and the Rams who could dominate the ground game, you know, you're starting to bring guys into the box. They're going to go one-on-one, and Jair alexander sure can hold his own, but can these other guys hold their own? Maybe not. And then, you know, like you said, against the Bucks, I mean, they could throw five wide receivers out there, and they could pick you apart, and they could pick, up, pick apart your whole defense. And, you know, the Packers really struggle with their linebackers as well. They have a lot of young guys there. I, I think their defense is a little shaky, but – you know, at the end of the day, sure, Rodgers might not throw for 50 touchdowns, but he's probably going to throw for at least 45, and they're going to be a top team in the NFC because of that. And, you know, when we get to the playoffs, you know, can they have home field advantage? Maybe, probably not like they were last year. You know, the Bucks could be home this time. But, you know, as long as they're in the mix, you know, could be the way the wind's blowing one day, you know, in the playoffs, and you can end up making it. So I, I think they'll be all right. But their future is what scares me in Green Bay because without Rodgers this year, I would say they were probably a five-win team. Mm-hmm. I think you're putting a lot of pressure on this Stokes guy to come in right away. I mean, corner is one of the hardest positions to transition into the NFL. And like, it's just, it's hard for a guy like that to come in and instantly just make an impact. Um, you know, maybe he will, there's a chance. It would be good to see the Packers certainly need it, but at the end of the day, he's going to make his fair share of rookie mistakes. It happens to almost every rookie corner. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jeff Okuda and uh, CJ Henderson were a good example this past season too. And they were, you know, higher draft picks. But now let's talk about my New York Jets and Zach Wilson. Uh, we still have not agreed to a deal with Zach Wilson yet, and he's not at training camp, which we started yesterday, which is just absolutely ridiculous. His rookie contract, like I said, is still not to agree to. He's the last guy in the NFL to not have his rookie contract uh, agreed to. Uh, Jets head coach Robert Sala said he's optimistic a deal will get done soon. To me, this is just utterly ridiculous. Uh, we changed the whole regime, you know, with Joe Douglas now, Robert Sala. And, you know, this is our day one quarterback. We have Zero total snaps played between the quarterbacks on our rosters with the other two rookies. They've never played it down in the NFL yet. And Zach Wilson was, you know, the clear guy from the second that he was drafted and the name card was put in for the Jets. And the fact that he's not there right now developing chemistry with his wide receivers, that we got Corey Davis now. We, we added Elijah Moore in the draft. The new offensive line adding Morgan Moses and Elijah Vera Tucker. I mean, this is, this is really bad. And this is just a terrible look from the Jets' standpoint. You know, you, they all they want to do is push this whole new regime on us. We've changed. And to me, it just, you know, looks like the same old New York Jets, and it's really sad. Yeah, I mean, I think this is – I don't think this is really a big deal. I mean, he's going to get signed. If I had to bet, he'd be signed – he'll be signed in the next week. I don't really think this is newsworthy. Every rookie gets signed. I mean, the one really extreme case was Joey Bosa, right? A few years back, he took yeah. a while to get signed. But even he still played – right? did he play in week one? I'm pretty sure he did. So, you know – what but the they need of- the they need the maximum amount of reps that they can get with Zach Wilson. I completely agree. But I think learning every single day. Week. I think they know that, and he gets signed in the next week. Like, I, I can't imagine that they're that far off from a, an agreement anyway. I think this is a travesty that, that Zach Wilson hasn't been signed yet. 
the draft was the, was April 29th. You had three months to sign Zach Wilson, your franchise quarterback. What makes this look even worse is that Zach Wilson is the only competent quarterback on your roster. You don't have exactly. any other guy that can step in and you're comfortable with. That's even more of a reason to just give Zach Wilson and his representative what they want. Give him all the guaranteed money. Remove some of that subtle language in the contract. Make him feel comfortable. I'm not sure what's really going on. I don't speak that language, that business lawyer language, but I know that not having Zach Wilson signed can be huge because if he misses camp, if he misses these practices, this is valuable time for a rookie like him to get adjusted to the NFL. And this could possibly cause a rift between him and his teammates, his teammates thinking he might not want to be here. All of this, all of this other stuff. And I think Zach Wilson already coming into the NFL is one of the more polarizing quarterbacks as a rookie. You either love him or you hate him. There are some people that, I mean, TikTok for me, you know, I, I use TikTok, but I think TikTok is one of the worst places in the world for sports opinions because I see so much stuff that is ridiculous, like Zach Wilson not being a first-round talent or other stuff like that. It's utterly ridiculous. People don't know what they're talking about. Zach Wilson is phenomenal, but not having him in the building right now is a bad look on the Jets. And I'm not sure if this is a Joe Douglas thing. I don't know if Joe Douglas is the one in charge of this. Maybe he's not. And now this is his first taste of realizing, okay, this is what everybody was telling me about the Jets. Well, yeah, I don't think it's, I mean, look, it's a big deal that he's missing time as a quarterback for like the reps, but I think, you know, it's more of a big deal about the rift that is already being created between, you know, the Jets front office and Zach Wilson. I mean, I saw a report from the NY post that the Jets are unlikely to budge and, you know, kind of on a new contract and you're not willing to you know, pay him a little bit more to get him in the building. And to me, I mean, you guys are already having a situation where a quarterback front office you know, you're not on the same page from day one. That's a huge issue. And I think, I mean, I don't want to overreact, but this is definitely not the best start at all. No. And the longer that he's out, the worse it is. And uh, I saw actually on his Instagram story a day or two, he flew back out to California. So that tells me something that it's obviously not going in the right direction. And it's scary. Um, you know, like Robert, like Robert Sala said on the night that they drafted him, they called him and they said, we're not going to make, you know, make this like every other you know, player or quarterback has dealt with with the New York Jets. We're going to surround you with the pieces you need to succeed. And he, you know, they did. They added Corey Davis. They added Elijah Moore. They added Elijah Vera Tucker. He needs to be in the building getting these reps with these guys. They, this guy was handed the keys of the franchise, like I said, the minute that they handed in that draft card. We don't have any other quarterbacks on the roster. We have Mike White and I think James Morgan right now. And Adam Schefter came out with a report today that we're looking at guys like John Johnson to sign. I mean, this is crazy. Zach Wilson needs to be here taking these first team reps. And the longer that he's out, the worse it looks on the Jets. This is a disaster. I would, I would personally, if I had the money, pay Zach Wilson just to get in the building at this point. Yeah, I can't imagine what the holdup is. I mean, the the rookie contracts are scaled, so he, his money is set. It's just the guaranteed money in the event he doesn't play is what the they're they're different on. So I don't understand how the Jets can't just raise the guaranteed money like a, just a tiny bit, a few million dollars, just get him in the building. You spent the second overall pick on him. He's your franchise player. I'd give him all the guarantees he wants. I, I don't know what the problem is. He's a second overall pick. Like you mentioned, he's the face of the franchise. Give him whatever he wants. If he wants a foot massage after every game, hire a foot masseuse, give him anything he wants. I'll give Zach Wilson anything he wants. And the thing about it is that, like you mentioned, Zach Wilson, these are valuable reps. But the other reason why this is so bad is because I'm going to a Jets practice August 7th. And if he's not there, I'm going to be frustrated. I'm going to be really mad. I'm going to be I was just about to say that. See, like, dude, we, we live actually, or at least I live. I live in Florham Park, like which is away from really the, the town that they have their practice facility in. So we we're about to go to a, a Jets practice. But if, if Zach Wilson's not there, I'm not going. I'm not, see, I'm not going to that. Yeah, me either. I'm not going to go if, if I got to see Mike White or James Morgan. Yeah, James Morgan was in like Madden. I, I saw, he was like a meme for like a couple yeah, months. Yeah, he, he, I think he was our fourth or fifth round pick like a year or two ago. I mean, this is just, it's nuts though. And, I, you know, I think Mike LaFleur is one of the brightest offensive minds, you know, in the NFL, obviously coming from the McVay and, you know, Matt LaFleur and Shanahan coaching tree. And, you know, he needs to spend his time with Zach Wilson and understanding the playbook and learning the playbook. I mean, he needs to be here right now. Like I said, 
give him all the money he wants. You handed this guy your keys to your franchise. If he ends up, if he ends up not working out, this sets us back five to ten years. What is the forty million dollars guaranteed or forty five that you have to give him going to change that? You know, just pay the guy. It's not, the, it's not the end of the world. It's not, you know, and we have so much cap space as is. Who cares? Soon. We're going to have him sign soon, like, especially now that he's the last player unsigned. Because what was Trey Lance signed yesterday? Now, now that I think they're going to they're going to be in a rush to get him signed because they don't want to be in the media for this. It's just a bad look. That's true. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Xavier Howard now, the X-Man. He's my third best corner in the NFL, and the people seem to agree with my rankings the most, so we'll stick with that. He's the third best corner in the NFL. Um, he officially requested a trade the other day. He signed a deal back in 2019 that made him the highest paid corner at the time, but that is no longer the case, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is just going to be a super interesting situation. Some teams that are rumored to be looking at him are the Cardinals, Chargers, and Colts. I'm sure most teams are looking at him, though. I mean, a cornerback caliber. Too. Yeah. So, I mean, is he going to get traded before the season? I don't know. This is going to be an interesting situation. Nick, I will say uh, about the rankings, you know, you, your list was phenomenal in the back, the back nine, apparently, according to, you know, a lot of people who follow us. But – Remember, the rankings had Stephon Gilmore. The follow rankings had Stephon Gilmore at number three. So Stephon Gilmore is, is better than Xavier Howard. But, I mean, about Xavier Howard, Chandler Jones, I think that was, this would be the perfect swap. Chandler Jones to Miami, Xavier Howard to Arizona. And hopefully both of these teams would, you know, give those new players their contracts they, they want because that's the, the issue with both teams. Both teams are on the rise both teams seem to be finally in contention for a championship. It's just the contract negotiations haven't gone so well. So if those two teams are willing to, you know, compensate those players more, that would be a perfect swap. I mean, I agree. And I was going to actually talk about that swap, but since you mentioned it, I'll see something else. I, I love that for Miami one, because you get an elite pass rusher, but they're kind of in the same situation, right? Miami doesn't want to pay Xavier and Howard more money. Chandler Jones wants more money, and he's an edge. He's on an expiring deal. Edge rushers command more money. Because of that, I don't think Miami wants to just do that swap because they're like, oh, if we don't want to pay Xavier Howard, we don't want to pay Chandler Jones. It's really not that big of a deal. They also drafted Jalen Phillips, who a lot of people ranked him as the number one edge rusher in the draft. But that would be phenomenal for Arizona because they need that outside corner. They have no corners on the roster right now. But I love the fit with the Saints. You bring in Brian Poole, who was one of the better slot corners in the NFL. And I said this the other day, whoever Brian Poole's lawyer is or agent or agent, that's what that's the exact term. He has to fire him today because Brian Poole has been one of the better slot corners in the NFL the past two, three seasons. And for some reason, he can't get a multi-year deal. He's he's going from team to team on one-year deals when this guy is really good. But you have Marshawn Lattimore, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Xavier Howard, Brian Poole. That would, be one of the, yep, that would be one of the best secondaries in the, in the NFL. And, of course, Indianapolis, their team is pretty much set. They have everything they need outside of an elite receiver. T.Y. Hilton's getting up there in age and a number one corner. If they can bring in a number one quarter corner like Xavier Howard, pair up with Xavier Rhodes, and then Rock Yassin and Kenny Moore, I think that would be phenomenal. I, I, I also want to add in the Chargers. I think, you know, now with Brandon Staley there on the defensive end, they're really looking for that corner. I know they have Chris, uh, Chris Harris in the slot, and I think they plan on playing Mike Davis on the outside, but they don't really have the number one corner either. And I think that's another team, you know, similar to the Colts. They, they, they have a lot of pieces. They revamped the offensive line. You know, you obviously have Justin Herbert, but on the defensive end, you know, they're really that one player away in the secondary, you know, you're getting Derwin James back too. But something that's interesting, I think that, you know, possibility of Miami, you know, they've been in the conversation for Deshaun Watson. We heard that could be one of the potential suitors, possibly Xavier Howard and two attack by low and some picks heading to Houston for Deshaun Watson. But like you said, Joel, Miami's in a position where it seems like they don't want to pay players big money. And, Brian Flores comes from New England. They kind of have that same thing as the Patriots. You know, when a guy, it's guy, it's a guy's time to hit the market. They're willing to let him move on. You know, look a perfect example with a guy like Nate Solder, Trent Brown, Joe Thune, those guys on the offensive end. But you know that they're really not willing to pay guys big money. This past offseason obviously changed because the Patriots roster was you know decimated and they missed on a lot of their draft picks. But Miami seems to not want to pay players. They already have Byron Jones on a huge contract at the cornerback position. So it's going to be tough to delegate 25% of your cap to cornerbacks. 
So I understand why they probably don't want to extend him. But Xavier Howard said he was unaware, unaware with some of the details in the contract. And, you know, that speaks to me, like you said, I have a Brian Poole fires agent, Xavier Howard fires agent. You know, I understand that these contracts are tricky to read, but this is this guy's job. If you were unaware with some of the things in the contract, you shouldn't have signed it then. And your agent shouldn't have gave you the go to sign it. And, you know, it sucks now that he has to come out and say this and leave the Dolphins, but it's good, obviously, for the Jets. You know, we don't have to deal with Xavier Howard. But, I mean, his agent should be fired too. Yeah, exactly. And you're right about not dealing with Xavier Howard. Last year, I was very high on Denzel Mims, and that was when he was supposed to be like our number one receiver on the team because we had nobody. And I said, my man, this guy has to face Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, Stephon Gilmore, J.C. Jackson, Jonathan Jones, Trey White, Davius White, and in Buffalo. I mean, that the defenses in the AFC East are absolutely stacked, and getting Xavier Howard off the Dolphins would help the Jets tremendously. But I, I love that you mentioned the Chargers. I'm actually about to make a video about that uh, maybe tomorrow because I think that's a great that's a great destination for Xavier Howard. And they're a team that is in the market of bringing in talent because Justin Herbert is on his rookie deal. You look at Indy. They're paying Carson Wentz a boatload of money. They can't really afford that. New Orleans, New Orleans we know what their cap situation is like, it's even tough. though every year they miraculously get out of it. But the Chargers can realistically – give him the money he wants and still be good because of Herbert's rookie deal. And Mike Williams, he's up after this year. You know, he has no guaranteed money left on his deal. And I could very well see the Chargers letting him walk because he was the seventh overall pick. But to this point, he has not lived up to those expectations. And Xavier and Howard fits that scheme too. Staley's going to run a similar scheme to what they ran in, in uh, you know, LA with the Rams. And it, it's kind of like that, that three, four zone coverage, like, you know, quarters coverage and he fits that, you know, he ran, they ran a lot of zone down in Miami and, you know, he was, I think PFF's PFF's highest graded zone corner cornerback this season as well. And, you know, you have Joey Bosa coming off the edge. They're really that one piece away and look at Brandon Staley. I mean, I understand Jalen Ramsey was a great corner, but Jalen Ramsey last year was absolutely phenomenal. And I think he could put Xavier Howard in that level with, you know, maybe the best corner in the league coaching him uh, for the chargers. If he ends up going there. I mean, I mean, look, PFF solid, but to be fair, Devin White was like their dead last ranked linebacker. So I don't know how much you know credibility we can go with PFF when they have Devin White as like the la- dead last like linebacker in the NFL. But I, I don't know. I mean, take that for, for what you want to use with it. But um, we're experimenting a new segment at the end. I'm not sure if we're ever going to do this again, but pretty much we had some news that I wanted to include in here, but like I didn't like – like this Trey Young thing, I'm not gonna like, we're not gonna talk about it for like like 10 minutes. It's pretty much, but he actually did like, you know, crawl, like talk to you, some, talk some shit to, you know, this guy, this pro am in Oklahoma City. And he hit the game winning shot at him. I'm not sure if we actually showed the, the clip. I'm guessing you can't on YouTube, but, um, you know, it just really makes me think that he should be on the Olympic team. And we can't even, we're not gonna even go there with who the replacement should be because. As Graf and Frank really know, we we got some heat for suggesting that he should replace a player on the San Antonio Spurs. Oh man, don't even get me started. But but um, yeah, I mean, what do you guys do? You, I mean, do you guys also think that he should be or that, that the team USA should you know have him on the roster right now? Of course they should. Have you watched him play? Oh my God, he's one of the best players in the league. Of course he should be on Team USA. I mean, for me, I think Trey Young should have been on it, but I, I'm a, I actually like Trey Young much more in this pro am street ball environment. I think that fits his personality that much more. He's very fun to watch. He's been doing this for the last couple of years. This is nothing new. And Trey Young has that chip on his shoulder. He will talk shit. He doesn't care. He has that intensity to his game. And that's what happens when you're a smaller player that has gotten looked over a lot in your life. You build that chip. And I think Trey Young wears that on his sleeve and he's not afraid to show his true colors. Yeah, yeah for sure. I love that he accepted the villain mentality. That's what I want to say. I, I love like you know, even being as a Knicks fan, I was so angry just watching those playoff games. I hated it myself. I was like, this guy's a foul merchant. He's a pain in the neck. He's a lollipop in a carpet with his hair. And I was, you know, saying every motherless thing on my TV, watching the game cursing etc he's accepted that villain mentality but he is an incredible player to watch and i think he's going to elevate himself into that top 10 category by next season i think he's close to there now but i i love trey young and watching him i just don't like when he plays against my team 
and then, you know, beats us in a playoff series. Yeah, yeah and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he said to the guy at the Pro-Am, like, what league are you in? You're not in the NBA, something <laughs> like that. He was saying some pretty mean things to him. Yeah, all right. So I think I could show this picture. I don't think you can show videos on YouTube, but this picture, um, there's this new product that apparently, you know, this company called Hand In Your Face Basketball Product. We're oh, trained with, it was, it's on Sideline Sources Instagram if anyone wants to find the picture. I'm sure I'm, I'm going to show real it. quick to the camera. But basically you, you play basketball with a hand in your face and it like moves up this thing. And, and Donovan Mitchell commented like, what are we doing with the shake in my head emoji? I mean, <laughs> this might be the saddest thing I've ever seen on a, on a basketball court. I mean, hey, it, it looks pretty weird. It looks pretty bizarre. But I guarantee you there's going to be a kid that uses that to practice and one day he'll make the NBA and he'll credit that to why he got so good because there's a hand in his face at all times. I think there's a bunch of bizarre ways to practice. I don't think there's one way. At the end of the day, I think players that are talented and are supposed to make the NBA will make the NBA, right? Kyrie Irving in high school used to dribble with a grocery bag on the basketball and you know, that at that time sounded bizarre. Like, who would even think that? And now it's become a whole trend. You have at, at the beginning of every single highlight video on YouTube, you have these, you know, ball grip gloves that you have no grip on a ball. I mean, there's so many different ways to train and so many kids are, are training with th this stuff and they don't become NBA players. You know, I think there's just a bunch of different ways to train. The product is getting a lot of backlash because it is bizarre. It looks crazy. And honestly, there's no reason why you should, you know, have that anyway. Just run pickup games and have somebody guard you. Looks like he can't even see what he should. Know. I mean, I don't, I don't get this because you're not actually having like a guy's hand in your face. I mean, you just can't see the basket. But I mean, hey, do you, man? I mean, you know, maybe this kid will be in the NBA in this in this uh, little video that they have on like the sideline sources Instagram. But lastly, we have a kind of new thing that just happened like an hour or two ago. Kevin Durant. I mean. Like you guys know the Kyrie story. And if you guys don't know, let me tell you real quick. Kyrie Irving basically kind of came out about his Kyrie eight shoe and said the shoe is awful. Don't get it. And it's because, you know, him and Nike had some disagreement about the material that they used. And Kyrie was like, you know, I didn't sign off on this. Don't, don't, you know, I don't recommend buying this. It's in my opinion, it's trash, this and that. And then, you know, the Twitter trolls, we, we know about them, you know, too well almost at this point. But some guy said, you know, Kyrie, um, he says something about Kyrie's team and, you know, how Kyrie needs more help on his team. And Kevin Durant just like, you know, obviously like he does always claps back on Twitter. Um, just sent a picture of this kid who was in like a bunk bed or just sleeping on the floor and just like with his phone and just like sitting there just by himself on his phone, just like with like the, the crying emoji, but like the hand, I think I guess like the, the straight face over his head, like the little band to like make it seem like he's not actually upset, but I just love that Kevin Durant claps back at these Twitter trolls. I know he gets a lot of, you know, shit for it that he does this and he wants to, you know, even respond to people, but I don't see the issue with it at all. I mean, he's just like, he's just a human being. And if he wants to do it, it's funny, it's entertainment. And I don't even see like why, like, this is a big deal that are people like care so much that he does respond. Like, it, it's almost like you can't have it both ways. Some people are like, oh, well, you know, famous people are so disconnected from society and they, they don't ever you know doing they don't ever reply to me but when someone actually like does get insecure quote unquote then it's like a problem i don't see how this if if you were just like commenting let's say like anyone was just commenting who didn't who wasn't an nba player they wouldn't be viewed as insecure for having that reaction it just i guess you know anytime you're famous it, it gets you're insecure for having that type of reaction yeah i think we did we had a what a mailbag monday a few weeks ago and somebody said, who's your favorite player? And I said, it's Kevin Durant. And this is the reason why. He doesn't care about anybody. He doesn't care about anything. He just does what he wants to do. And it's so funny. I mean, he got that guy so bad. <laughs> it was just so funny. I couldn't help but laugh. I mean, for me, man, I think too much times we try to place these unreal standards on these athletes that, you know, they're not human beings. They don't have the same emotions. I think people that have never really dealt with Twitter trolls or social media trolls like on TikTok or Instagram don't really know what it's like to deal with that on a constant basis. You know, I know you guys have like 100K on TikTok. You guys have probably deal with your fair share of trolls on Twitter, on IG, even on YouTube, on, on TikTok. And, you know, 
you sometimes you feel like clapping back and there should be nothing wrong with that. And I can't imagine dealing with that at a at such a high scale of people like Kevin Durant having tens of millions of followers and a bunch of people constantly saying something because most of the time the people that are commenting these things are unaccomplished they don't have anything going for themselves because I've never seen somebody accomplish comment something negative like that you know if you're accomplished you usually critique it in a in a respectful way but these people that try to go above and beyond they're usually they usually don't have anything going for themselves anyway so I think Kevin Durant's kind of just pointing at that fact with that picture they're all just they're also just kind of weird. I mean, they, they always have the most like red. It's not even like a real reply. It was like Kyrie Irving needs like a better team around him, like like he does in the NBA. I mean, it's like it, it's like with these Twitter shows about like Lamicky and stuff. I mean, it's just like you can't even take them seriously. I mean, it's just. But I mean, Twitter is. Like, I think I think Durant's Durant's a cool dude though. Honestly, I, I don't know if you guys saw like the thing on his IG live. They were walking around at the Olympics at the opening ceremony, and uh, some someone came up to him and is there like she's like I'm your biggest fan. And it was someone that actually played basketball for Belgium. And uh, he took a picture with them, had a quick conversation. And he's and he's like, someone's like, why does everyone think you're mean or whatever? He's like, I'm just a, you know, a normal dude, you know, this, this and that. And I like like the normalcy side of, or, you know, a player kind of clapping back, like Joel said, like we deal with shows, all of us, you know, sometimes you want to clap back. And I, I like that Durant does that. You know, he's a normal guy too, when he's not on the basketball court. And when you get this constant hate and constant people saying stuff, it's good once in a while to clap back. It feels good. You know, especially when, like you said, Joel, a lot of these people that comment stuff like, oh, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do this. Then why don't you do it? Because they're not accomplished. They don't have anything going for themselves. What they like to do is they like to try and bring people down. So, you know, I like how Durant uh, claps back and I think it's funny. And I think he's, you know, good dude. He's another guy that kind of accepts that like villain role almost like Trey Young. Yes, certainly. All right. That's going to be it for the Sneaky Sports Podcast Season 3. Episode number 56, we appreciate Joel for taking the time uh, to come on the podcast, as well as Frank for battling out his strep, strep throat or, you know, his little cold he got going. But Sinus infection. Yeah, we, we, we appreciate <laughs> We appreciate it, Joel, uh, for real. Um, make sure, you know, you check them out. Um, we'll have all the links down below in the description. You know, his personal YouTube channel, personal, you know, TikTok. I believe, you know, personal or pick side TikTok, pick side YouTube, pick aside Instagram. We'll have all those links down below in the description. So make sure to, to check them out. Um, and yeah, we want to thank you guys real quick for, you know, obviously on YouTube, these YouTube shorts have been going really well for us. And we basically are about to hit 2000 subscribers. We're, I believe we're 60 away. So we appreciate the support over the last you know week or so. We were at like 300 subscribers literally just last week. So it is, it doesn't mean a lot for us. And our last podcast actually got 500 views. So we really do appreciate all the support recently, um, considering, you know, before they would get like 50. So it means a lot. We'll see you guys in the next one. We appreciate it. And um, hope you all have a good day. Peace, everyone.